loves us. And if his grace and his mercy is an ocean, we are all sinking. We cannot outdo his love. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. Do you realize you can't even outsin his love? Do you realize that? There's nothing you can do. Even if you denied him, he still loves you. And is still pleading for your soul. He loves us. And for that reason, I love you. Oh, yes. I love you. Oh, yes. I love you. I love you. Scripture tells us we love him because he first loved us. There's not a mountain too high, a valley too low, an ocean too wide, or a path too narrow where he is not aiming, targeting you every day to show you his love. Amen. Let's all agree in prayer. Daddy, in the name of Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for holding us. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your spilt blood. Thank you for hell for three days. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. And we do rejoice and we are glad in it. You alone are God and there's none like you in all heaven and earth and we celebrate, honor, and exalt you, almighty God. You said you inhabit the praises of your people. You said that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. We acknowledge you. Encompass this place. Fill this atmosphere with your spirit, with your power, with your love, with your might. Right now I decrease that you may increase in and through me. Speak through my mouth of clay. May my tongue be the pen of a ready writer. Writing on the tablets of the hearts of your people, Daddy. I pray that there's increase in their soul and in their understanding and their revelation, Father. I pray that not one, people will not one person will remain the same. That your word falls on good ground. And it'll produce 30, 60, even 100-fold, Father. 
I give you the glory, honor, and the praise for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and the great and mighty works that you have yet to do. Confirm your word with signs and wonders following, Father. And in it, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Just three times, shout hallelujah, three times. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can take your seat, God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good, y'all. All right, so are you ready? Last week we left off just basically talking about the female. God created what? Female first. Well, don't y'all sleep on me. I just promised Minister Johnny I wasn't going to jump off of the stage. Don't y'all tempt me this morning. So God created the female. Now we're going to pick up where we left off, but before I do, you know, our foundational scripture is Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, where he says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. And we talked about the ruby. She's either washed or she's broken, but she still has power and worthy. Amen. When he says he, made, he created female, he created her in his image, just like he did man. He put his entity inside her and said, I am in you and in you is everything you need to sustain, prosper, and fulfill the assignment in my, in, in, that I placed on your life. He gave both of them the same assignment to reproduce, to recreate, to multiply, to have dominion over everything that he had, right? And so with that being said, the reason why I'm spending this time here, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're talking about the female, but this is why this is so important. Because we could talk about how to be a great woman, how, I mean, how to be a great wife, how to be a great daughter, how to be a great mama. We can talk about all that, but it's all insufficient if who you are is not realized. Because long before you're somebody's wife, long before you're somebody's mama, long before you're somebody's best friend, long before you're somebody's top assistant or top boss lady, you are still you. Amen. And men, I charge you that the reason why this is important to you, because I don't care where you go and what you do in life, whether you're married or you're not, you got to deal with us. And for real though, we're not as difficult as you may think. We really not. And if you're married, oftentimes we're just a reflection of who you really are. No shade. That's a good thing because a lot of y'all, y'all know y'all married to some good wives. Y'all know y'all got that good thing. But it's important that when you realize the essence of who a woman is, you're able to tap into that essence and release a power that I'm telling you will aid and assist you to go to higher heights. If she's boss lady and you're able to recognize the gem that God created her to be, and even though she's boss lady, you're able to honor that, I'm telling you, you'll have favor beyond what you already knew. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and not being conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? <laughs> by what? 
One more time for the Holy Spirit. By what? That you, who may, that ye may prove. Who may prove? Not you, me, we. That we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Once you understand who you are in essence, female. Once you realize that long before you were somebody else's, just like uh, Mr. Bernard said, you, before God, you were, when you were yet a, a seedling, a little, a little a, a speck in your mama's womb, God knew you. And not only he, did he know you, but he was excited about your arrival. And he called you. Amen. And when you realize that in essence of who you are, female, just the foundation of who you are, and you learn to appreciate that and, hey, celebrate that. Now we can, we can evolve. Okay? So understanding that means you have to reprogram your thinking in many ways. Especially if you've been victimized. Especially if daddy wasn't in your life. You have to. You must. You are commanded to reformulate your thinking. You cannot obtain new goals playing the same old tricks. When you get a new job, I don't care if you're PhD, MD, MBA, LA, ABC through Z. I don't care how smart, accomplished, or celebrated you are. When you get that new job, you go through a 60 or 90 day training process, don't you? The new C CEO of Uber, the new CEO of, 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 of whoever, Microsoft, a Apple, whoever, they are the new CEO. And when you're new, you have to go through a learning curve. You have to train yourself to think and adopt this culture. Nothing's different about that with God. When you became Christian, you have to reprogram your thinking. And when we fail to reprogram our thinking, we wonder why do I still end up and I'm dealing with the same old stuff? Because the old you defaulted. And the crazy thing is that the reason why it's confusing and you get frustrated is because your spirit man's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But because you didn't reprogram your thinking and you defaulted back your, to your old ways, your mind is like, man, man, man. Okay? Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Turn with me there. It's so important that we understand these things and you know a lot of people there's arguments out there that the Bible is antiquated Bible for me is an acronym B-I-B-L-E it's the book of instructions before leaving earth it's the book of instructions before leaving earth if he said his word will never pass away the word of God can never be antiquated for you Bible studiers, Bible th word thumpers out there, listen. The Bible is filled with words of truth and, well, what was it? True statements and statements of truth. There are some true statements in there. It doesn't mean that they're eternal. But there are statements of truth in there that are eternal. 
And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to learn, know how to delineate between the two. And he makes it clear. Which is why he says, in the mouths of two or three witnesses shall everywhere be established. Amen. He makes it clear. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. The top of this here scripture is, Luke, is Jesus talking and he's talking about the word. And he's talking about the power of that word and how important it is and how, and how the word, when it's spoken, it can go forth. And some of it falls on bad ground, not so good ground, fallow ground. He's talking about the good ground. And then he says this and he charges the people with how they handle God's word. He says, take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath to him it shall be given. And whosoever does not have, from him it shall be taken, even that which he seems to have. In other words, when you, what the have here is understanding and revelation. That's what he's talking about. Those who have an understanding will get more. But those who don't have an understanding and they're not seeking it, they'll lose even that which they seem to have. Okay? So at the end of the day, people have died, spilled blood. There's been wars fought, movies made, speech spoken over this here word. And whatever side of the fence you're on, let me, let me beg you, don't think that the power of God's word is antiquated. That is, that is null and void of power because I'm telling you, there's a reckoning that's coming. It's happening right now. Where, <laughs> oh Jesus, the obedience to his word produces, but disobedience to his word produces too, and we're seeing it. And guess what? Ignorance is not an option out. You know how they say when you get a ticket or when you, when you break the law, I didn't know. I remember I got a police pulled me over for crossing those double white lines. I didn't even know what them things was called. All I know is I needed to get over. I had my signals, and I wasn't even going 15 miles an hour because you know Atlanta's traffic. But when he pulled me over, I said, I didn't, what did I do? And he told me, you passed the, you crossed the gourd. I had a ticket in the test, been driving for 40, 30 years. He never heard the gourd. <laughs> so you know how we do? Police officer, I didn't even know. I didn't know what that, I didn't know. He said, ignorance is not an excuse. Amen. So take heed to what you hear. And I'm telling you, you want to, you want to opt in. You want to opt in and receive from his words. Amen. So even though your spirit is renewed, how many Christians do we have in here? How many people believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and that he is the son of God and God raised him from the dead and he reigns forevermore in heaven and he's coming back for your soul, your body, and your mind? Well, guess what? Your spirit was renewed whenever you said, I do. But it doesn't mean your thinking was renewed. You're responsible for that. Amen. So now, we talked about the female that God made. The female that he made. So, he created. Let's put it like that, because it's very important. My language here, because God's language here is very important. We talked about the female that God created. So, let's pick up where we left off in Genesis chapter, let's pick up now in Genesis chapter 2. And I spoke about this a little bit in the um, second service, but I didn't get a chance to uh, really cover this here. So, and it is repeating anyway. So if you've heard parts of this message before, just know you didn't really get it until you've heard it at least 35 times. That's my rendition of that. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. Let me learn you something here. 
Now, we know already Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us create male and female, and let's create them in their, our, our own image. And when he created them by the Spirit, he tells them what their assignment is in the earth. There was no division between the assignments. Both of them had the same assignment, right? Both of them had the same image inside of them, right? He both endowed both of them to do some things and accomplish from some things because that was his will in the earth. Now we get over to Genesis chapter 2, where now we're getting a little bit more into detail, but now we're talking about the, 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 the actual making of man. And in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And every plant of the field before it was on the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused the rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and that Da, da, da. And then, so now we understand verse 5 that the earth itself was a field. It was a big, huge, massive field. Amen? So, and the, and the word field in the Hebrew means it was just a spread out piece of land. That's it. Verse 7, and Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. Where did God cre create man? From the ground, but in the what? It's important you get this minor detail because this minor detail becomes significant. God created man from the ground in the field. Okay? And when he says formed, that's the Hebrew word he squeezed into shape. He molded, he fashioned after a pattern, a purpose, and a, and, 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 and a, and a design. He made man in his own entity. He made himself into a human man. When he says formed, he squeezed a piece of his spirit into this formation. Okay? And then verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. What did he? Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because a lot of us, the little nice little stories that they tell about the creation is Adam and Eve were both made in the Garden of Eden. But see, it's very clear that the earth was a field. God made man in, from the ground in the field. It's not until verse 8, a little bit later, that he says, Now the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man who had formed. He had formed. So now God puts man in Eden. God made man in the field from the ground. He created Eden and puts man in Eden. Okay? The word there we talked about before, eaten means pleasure, desirable, paradise, okay? And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that was pleasant to, to the sight, good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes into verses 10 and through 12, what's going on in that garden. There was a river in Eden that went out to water the garden, and from there it departed into four heads. And God makes it a point to make mention in verse 11 that the name of this first uh, river was Pison, and it led to a place, a land that had gold and bedellum. Bedellum is also pearl and onyx stone. He makes mention that he makes Eden, he puts man in Eden, and every, in Eden is everything pleasurable and desirable and good for you and sustaining to life. It's four heads of water, and one of the first heads of water that he talks about is a place that lands to gold and to bedellum or pearl and onyx stone, precious gems, rubies. Yeah, I'll get that in a minute. 
And then he talks about the second, the third, and the fourth, which, and I'm not going to get into those because it's a, it's a whole dissertation about what they mean and what they represented and where they went in the land and what that land represented in history and what it means now. But beauty, everything unusual, life, vegetation, that's where all these four heads of water went. And then in verse 15, he says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to, of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He takes man in verse 15, he puts him in the garden of Eden, and he says, hey, cultivate this garden. I've given you everything desirable, everything that you will want. I need for you to make it continue to grow and to protect it. I put everything in this garden that's desirable for you, sustaining for you, and that's necessary for you. I need for you to continue its growth and to continue to protect it. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, let's skip down there. And the, Adam gave the names of the cattle. He's naming everything. And he's noticing that they're all coming up to him two by two. Hold up. Everything else in here has something to help them do what they got to do on the earth. And I have dominion over them. So you mean tell me that I ain't got nothing to partner with? What's up with that, God? Because he's in the place of desire. He sees other desires being met. Now he has a desire. And without even him knowing what that desire is, it says immediately, and God caused him to fall into a, a deep sleep. And God responds just to the thought of his desire. See, man, we know you desire us. <laughs> Man, you know you need us. You know you can't do everything in God's way and God's will without us. <laughs> and so then he caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And then when he had that deep, was in that deep sleep, where is he? He's in the Garden of Eden. And it says, and God just took that rib up out of Adam, the one rib, one rib, one, one rib, singular. And, you know, and I was looking up, it was funny, because, you know, on top of one now to be a wannabe geologist, I'm also a wannabe doctor. I'm a wannabe lot of things. Singer. Dancer. But you know, uh, according to JAMA, the Journal of American Medicine Association, one of, these little, one of the little website things I was looking up, it said the significance of the rib. Its only significance really is to protect the heart, the vital organs. Like, for real. So he takes this rib, not such a significant piece, but yet an important piece. And he says here, and made he a woman. So he created a female. But now, when man starts is on the scene, he has to make a woman. Do you understand that? You're all born female. And there's certain essentials and foundations within you that's just God-ordained. 
Some of us like jewelry and like the pretty things in life to some degree or another. We like niceties. We like looking nice. Whatever that looking nice, we like it. There's just certain things that's essential to who we are. We need security. We require comfort. We desire protection. We need leadership. We do. Half the time, the reason why we're tired is because we're tired of making and being responsible for all the decisions. Really? Is it up to me what time? The, what, what, just take the clothes. When you see the washing machine is finished. <laughs> do I really need to tell you and ask you all to take it out the washing machine, put it in the dryer, put the sheet in the dryer, and just turn it on for me? Can you just do that? <laughs> for real, ladies, but most men, they just don't think that way. She said, we, Deborah said, we know. (laughs) And then he makes this woman. And see, understand that Adam was in a deep, deep sleep. And in his deep sleep, God makes one. He says he fashioned her. He designed her. He sculpted her. See, when you create something, it's sort of like out of nothing. When you say, I created something, you think of a Picasso. You think of something just just dynamic, the Fabergé egg. You think of something that's just like, wow. But when you make something, you, you're thinking about, you're making that something from something that already existed. You're, when you make, you form and you fashion. When you, when you when you, when you make the Porsche 911 Carrera, you, 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 you know, there's, there's other things that go into the making process versus the creation process. And he took painstaking, deliberate time on us ladies. So that is the creation of the female, but now he's making the woman. And as, she, as he makes the woman who comes out of Eden, she's also this thing to be desired. Now he says, he puts, he's, he's, he's now spending his time with her because Adam is asleep. Adam is asleep. And he's formulated her and he's spending his time with her and he's saying, hey, baby girl, this is what you're here to do. You are imminent of me. You are of me, just as he is of me. Here's your assignment, baby girl. Remember when I created your spirit? Well, that's alive in you, and that's paramount. So just continue to cultivate that. You have a responsibility. Keep cultivating that. Keep honoring that. He's spending his time with the female he created before he presents her as woman to him. We talked about the blueprint of how man needs time to develop. Woman, female, you just because you got boobs and, and a butt. Little teenage girl, little girl. <laughs> just because you're feeling yourself and you can learn a little something, little girl. You ain't a woman yet. Just because hormones are flying off and he fine and he said he loved me. You ain't ready. He spends his time with her first. We don't know how long this time is, but we know Adam was not around. 
And half the time, a lot of men, you, you know, a lot of times it's true. We get involved with people prematurely because our bodies are on fire. But just as ladies, we can make the mistake of getting involved with a man that ain't ready. There's a lot of men out there that got involved with a female that wasn't ready. I don't usually meet with men one-on-one, but I can't tell you how many men I've met with, grown men that I've met with, and they're like, Pastor Trish, I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to remain celibate. I'm trying to do this thing, and they throwing it at me like it's popcorn. (laughs) It's not a one-sided session now. Men are coming to me telling me this. What is it, Pastor Trish? You know, I, you know, guy, you got to hype him up a little bit. You just, I guess you got the goods. I don't know. <laughs> but I also have to remind them that, you know, a lot of times women are acting outside of their maturity. Their body is mature, but their emotions and their mind is not. And guess what? Number has nothing to do with it. Then he says that he brought her to the man. Who brought her? Did she find him? God brought her to him. Did he tell her, now go find him? He's somewhere here. I don't know. Last time I saw him, he was by the tree of knowledge. I don't know. I think he's by the river Python because, you know, them gold is says gold is shiny. No, God took her and brought her to him and presented her. And when he presented her, the package was complete. The package was complete. And mind you, God didn't call her woman. It says here... And God took the man, made her woman, and brought her to him. And Adam said, this is not bone of my bone. And she shall be called woman. It's the man that says, oh, wait. Da-da! Who am I? It said the man, Adam, when he saw her, this is not bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she has a womb, but she's just like me. Therefore shall man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked. Let's talk about this last phrase here. 25, they were naked, and him, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. See, this word naked here, I'm not going to get too deep in it, but it's a Hebrew word, Iram. And it's different from the naked that you see later on in chapter 3. Because this naked is a different Hebrew word in that when he's saying they were naked, he said they were pure, they were organic, they were innocent, they were exactly the way he intended them to be. And then it says they were unashamed. This word unashamed means, uh, basically says here that they were not regretful, they were not disappointed, they were not delayed, confused, or insufficient. You notice when we mess up, the first thing that we, the first thing that hits us when we realize we mess up is shame. And in that moment, we have a choice as to how we react. Most of us want to deflect it because we don't want that shame. 
And a lot of us are in tumultuous situations, not because of the other person, but because we carry burdens of shame and guilt inside of us. But he says when God is in the mix, he says, I removed the shame. He says here that they were naked, they were pure, they were organic, they were natural, and they were not ashamed. Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31. If you're looking online or if, even if you're looking uh, right here, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and pull up the notes. And let me tell you, I apologize in advance, but there's a lot of notes. But I'm telling you in my heart, I just want you to get this. There's a lot of notes, but I really believe the Spirit of God needs for you to get this because a lot of times destruction happens because we don't know who we are. And we default to who the enemy provoked us to be. Proverbs chapter 31. Here we go. Now, these are characteristics of a woman. When he says that when we start in Romans chapter 12, talking about transforming your mind, it's not that this is a static, static pattern. This is not something that I need to be all of this because all of this is outrageous. If you ever spent time in Proverbs chapter 31, you're like, hold up. He's not telling you to go out and do all this and all this. But there are characteristics within this woman that's to be developed. And these characteristics will show up and, and cause you to be your best you, whatever that is. Your best you in the sciences, your best you in the arts, your best you in your, in your relationship, your best you as a daughter, your best you as a mama, your best you as a wife, your best you as an employee, your best you as a boss. These are characteristics eminent of what God says a virtuous woman is. Proverbs chapter 1, we already know in verse 10, who can find this virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. And in verse 11, he says here, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Let me make this disclaimer right now because I realize not everybody in here is married. But everybody in here is married. Because if you're not married to a man or a woman here on earth, you're married to the Lord if you call yourself Christian. So the essence and the heart of what is saying here is still true and identifiable to even the person that don't have a ring on their finger. Okay? So don't opt out, disqualify, and sit back in your chairs on my this is because she's a wife. No, these qualities exist. And, and remember, I said, you are not subhuman to the man. You are not a lower category of human because you're not married. You're not a lower category of man because you don't have a wife. Amen? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. See, when you're talking about a virtuous woman, her heart at all times is to be honorable and honest. So when she's married, she, her desire is to do him good and not evil. He can trust her. God, when, when, even if it's, if it's God on the scene and, and you're married to God and God alone, he says to the virtuous woman that her desire is to not embarrass God. 
And you can see the woman who aims to please him and to do him good and that she walks in a specific type of favor. Peace follows her everywhere she goes. She doesn't get easily rattled. Because God says, I can trust her. So it's a wonder why she doesn't seem to do as much, but she gets a lot. Why everybody like her? Why everybody want to be around her? What she got? God trusts her. And it says here, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Let me tell you, women that want to be married, women that are married, women that's like, I don't know. <laughs> Scripture tells us about a man that love is defined with by honor and respect for him. And if he believes you love him, he believes you honor and respect him. Which translates in that he has to be able to trust you with who he is. A lot of times we complain about a man not wanting to talk to us. It's placid, it's plastic. It's, he don't, we don't talk about deep things. It's just, oh, it was, it was a good day. Well, number one, they don't talk a lot anyway. Most don't talk a lot. But some of y'all can go. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. But we complain a lot of times that our husbands won't talk to us. And we find out that best friend might know more about our husband. And, and we, we're hurt by that, aren't we? And we are hot. Like, what? How? They know this about you, and I'm finding out through them. They call me talking about, you know, you might want to consider doing this and this for John John. What? Baby, I need for you to talk to me. You have to check yourself and ask yourself, have you done something which caused him not to trust you with his heart? Talk, complain about him to mama? Going off on him in public? Ooh, we got quiet. <laughs> She will do good, him good, not evil, all the days of her life. Even after he dead and gone, if she's still on the earth, she's she remarried and everything, she still honors and respects him. Says all the days of her life, not his life. Not his life. And God feels the same way. Because remember, who he is is, what, is the essence of what he put in man, just like what he put in you. So we say we're Christian, but we show up at work and we cuss. You say, well. We want to pray for somebody, but then, flip it, then we flip it. And we're trying to find out how we can sneak and continue the workers' comp and Social Security paycheck. When it ain't legitimate. I'm just hitting, this right, I'm hitting you right where we are. Okay? 13 says, she seeks wool and, she, and flax and she works willingly with her hands. Basically, this woman is willing to work for the betterment of her household. She's willing to work 
for the betterment of her household. She is resourceful. She's that chick that can make a, a, a dollar out of 15 cents. She is able to pull stuff out of things, and, and, and guess what? She's not robbing Peter to pay Paul to make it happen. Man, you need us in your lives because we know, you know, you know good and doggone well. If you see something, you like it, you're going to get it. If it's, I mean, you meditate and think about it, but if you're still thinking about it two, three, four months later, you're like, okay. But she's thinking, okay, it's going to go on clearance in, in July. <laughs> Let me see if I can go online, sign up, give my email address, get that 20% off coupon. She is resourceful and she is willing to work. She's not looking at him saying, what you going to do? And, you know, and this is the misnomer about uh, the man, my husband, the man of God uh, saying that work should be optional. Work should be optional. For the woman. But don't think she's not working at home. If you're a virtuous woman, you paying the bills, you keeping the house, you making sure that the cabinets are full, you are able to work within the confines of what he does if you choose not to work. You're still working, but you're diligent about making it work in your home. But if you want more, she's willing to go out and get it, help get it. See, if you marry to him, I need to say this because if you're married to him and you married him at $40,000, $50,000 a year and you said two weeks after we get married, I don't want to work no more. They get on my nerves. I'm about to kill somebody. I'm about to catch a case. <laughs> and he says, okay, babe, I got you. We fine. It's going to get a little tighter, but we're good. You can quit. Don't think you can still ask for that Jaguar. Be okay with the Ford Escape. <laughs> Don't look at him like, you said I can quit. I still want that Jaguar. That's not how it works, boo-boo. <laughs> he gave you the option, a good man, works hard to give you the option to stay home. Okay, if you decide to stay home, you also decided to live within the confines of the budget that he provides. Retraining your mind. So don't get caught up, caught up that Susie Q is driving the brand new range. Never mind that she bought it pre-owned, it's okay. But it's a new range. Don't get caught up in that. And you want to stay home, and he only makes X amount of dollars a year. But it says here in verse 13, she's willing to work with her hands. If she wants it and it's that important, she's willing to do her part to contribute towards it. So a lot of times we got to give these guys a break. Now, it does not excuse you, man of God, from having a job and producing for your family. And I also want to say this, the integrous man takes care of his children. So I'm charging, I'm, I'm saying this to wives, 
that's remarried to a man that has children. You are cursed if you're trying to help him find a way to skirt his responsibility and child support for those kids that he had before y'all got married. Because all you're doing is teaching him how to treat you. God forbid if y'all ever cross that bridge. If he has other children, you want a man that's busting his butt to still maintain child support and take care of those other children. Amen? Amen. I had to say that out loud because there's sometimes we, we you know, amen. <laughs> and if you were one way before and you're another way now, hey, that's what the system is for. You go to the system to have yourself readjusted. Because you're just as responsible for this new family that you got as you are for your old family. So we got to keep it all within its parameters of being fair and equal for what you make man of God. But woman of God, if you're married to him and you want to stay home, that's fine. But if you like bossing out $200 a month in clothing, if your best friend's name is Clarence, And you got to meet up with him every week. Am I beating a dead horse? I think I'm beating a dead horse. Very quickly, I want to, um, and then verse 14, verse 14 basically says the same thing. She's like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. Again, she will hunt and she will find the best deals. She will hunt and she will go for the best deals. My husband used to talk about me so bad because I drive across town. See, when we were living in Detroit, Costco's on one side of town. There's a place called Myers. Myers on the other side of town. And then you got something. And I drive all over the place. And he's like, babe, you're burning more in gas than you are for the 15 cents you're saving at the store. <laughs> now, you got to use some wisdom. And I had to calculate. I was like, dog, ain't he right? But a virtuous woman, she is not frivolous in her spending. Actually, she is anointed to be a savvy financier. So, brother man, if you're single, check the credit score. If she got 21 cards, you, she opened the wallet because, you know, y'all agreed to go Dutch that day. And she got a whole slew of credit cards. Back up. Because a virtuous woman, she's a savvy financier. She's not ashamed to be a couponer. She has a good friend named Clarence, but she'll only see him maybe once a month or once every other month. She knows how to look like, uh, what's that one billboard? Uh, 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 what's that one billboard? I just saw it. Live like a boss but while working in the, in the mail room. It was a furniture advertised billboard I saw. Live like a boss while working in the mail room. In other words, she can make it look good for pennies on the dollar. We're talking about, I mean, this is God. This is God talking. Not, it ain't me. He's, you know, and faith, you know, I've been taught that faith says, oh, you can go in and you can, you can ask it and, rec and, and receive it. You don't have to worry about sales. And it almost made me feel embarrassed for wanting a discount. Am I not in faith because I like sales and discounts? I, am I not in faith? Should I be able to walk in a, into Neiman Markup and buy what I want and not worry about it? If I got to ask how it, much it costs, does it mean that I can't afford it? What is a, no. 
That doesn't mean you're not a woman of faith. It just means you're a virtuous woman of faith. Amen. Spending 50, 60, 70% more because it has somebody's name on it. I mean, that, man, that name better clean itself, iron itself, just fall on me. I'm going to stop there because I'm beyond my clock. I got a mark that I stopped at verse 15. Did y'all get something out of that? So remember, God created female. There's an essence of who you are, woman. And I don't care even if she's a woman that thinks she's a man. Let me, let me just make that clear. There's still qualities and a foundation and the essence of a woman that's there. I don't care what lifestyle she ascribes herself to. It's just that the enemy comes up and perverts it by way of the flesh. But she still, even if she's looking like a dude, she still won't look like a really handsome dude, don't she? I see some haircuts. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, even if she, you, you, we in Atlanta. Come on. Those of you viewing, no shade. I love you too. If that's that person. I was a tomboy. But I still wanted to be a cute tomboy. Amen. The virtuous woman. God created female essentials, essences that are part of who you are just being a female. But he made woman. And in making woman, he says from virtuous, from Proverbs 31 to Titus chapter 2, he talks about the characteristics of the woman he made. Okay. We only got a little through that, but we're going to continue on, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be me and my husband talking about gang. Ha, gang. Because <laughs> that's when we cross the bridge from lady towards the tramp. Okay? So, y'all got anything from that? Men, did you get anything from that? Yeah. Amen. I like those deep voices. Now, God created you precious, significant. He put a piece of himself. He's so mighty and so big, he cannot exhaust himself. So there's a piece of him that lives in you. Even in your mess, there's a piece of him that's light, that's saying, hey, it's better than this. Have you ever thought that it can't, this can't be all there is? It has to be better than this. That's that light inside of you, God's light that's saying, hey, it is better than this. And I died to make sure you got it. So even though I made male and female, the enemy has distorted and perverted man and woman. And I died so that you can get back to the man and woman that I created. Amen. And the only way to get there is by spending, acknowledging me and spending time in my word. Because your mind has to be reprogrammed. Your mind has to be reprogrammed. Amen. So what I want to do right now, while people are in the attitude of prayer, understanding that you are not you all by yourself. There's a God that wants so much more from you and for you. And he's waiting for you with open arms. Yes. Oh, how he loves us. Yes. 
oh, how he loves us. No one wakes up in the morning figuring out how they can fail that day. No one wakes up strategizing how they can mess up that day. But guess what? God wakes up and says, I love you no matter what you do today. God says, hey, I'm here for you with answers no matter what you go through today. Beyond your decisions, beyond your choices, I still love you and I still have a plan for your life. So if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have not said, Jesus, you are Lord, you are Savior, I love you and I need you in my life. If you don't know for sure, if you can't open that Bible and says, this is how I know that I am saved. This is how I know that heaven is my home. These are the promises that he gave me that's yes and amen and for a great life. If you can't open that book and show yourself that, you're living off of somebody else's story. So if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. In fact, I'm on assignment to pray for you. Or perhaps you have made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, but you know and God knows that you've lived a life contrary to his will. He still loves you. He still has a plan for you, but you know that you need to reset a lot of times, the reason why we deny God is because of that shame and that guilt. We don't think he can take us back, but nothing can be further from the truth. God loves you with an everlasting love, and he waits to, I mean, I love the way he said it. He waits, even when you mess up, he waits, and he says, you know what? All you did was gave me another opportunity to show you how much I love you. Some people call it being backslidden. We call it being simply out of fellowship. It's because you're out of fellowship. God's not. He still loves you. He still wants you. And he still has an assignment for you. Perhaps you want to tap into that subsequent experience. That's baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. It's not a spooky experience. He don't take control and make you gyrate and all that stuff. But it's a subsequent sweet, soft experience where you just receive this other gift. If you want to learn more about that, we would love to minister to you, pray for you, and make sure you receive that. And finally, you can't grow unless you're planted. And if you believe Linked Up Church is your church home, you desire to receive Pastor Gregory and I, our ministerial staff, as your pastors, as your leaders. We can promise you one thing. We will teach you the word of God. And we are passionate, committed, vested, and called towards your victory. That's what we are passionate about. That's what we thrive for every single day. We are, we are team people. We, we are athletes. And we know and realize and live by the old that we're only as strong as our weakest link. And we don't believe in weak links. We, do, we, we, we just desire to see everyone towards victory. And if that's what you want, and you believe Linked Up Church is the church for you, we'd love to receive you and give you more information about that. Get you in the next step classes, plug you into the dream team or into small groups to make sure you firmly planted and that you grow and that you lead others. Amen. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if any of those invitations pertains to you, if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to recommit and rededicate your life to him, 
you want to learn more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you want to make Linked Up Church your church home, would you please raise your hand high in the air so that I know I'm praying with and for you? Is that anyone here? Praise God. I see this hand back here. Praise God. Anybody else? You want to receive Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. You want to be, rededicate your life to him. You want to get it right. You're done playing games. You want to learn more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or you simply just want to make Linked Up Church your church home. Is there anyone else? I see the wonderful gentleman back there. Is there anyone else? Lift your hand high in the air so I know I'm praying with and for you. Remember, somebody paid a price for you to live above mediocre. And wherever you are right now, he still desires more. I don't care if you're the king of the hill or the scum of the earth. He desires you live a prosperous, glorified life. And this is where it starts. Anybody else? Well, praise God. Well, what we're going to do, brother, is once we, I ask the congregation to stand, I want you to gather up your belongings, make your way down to this aisle. I want to pray with and for you, take you to another room.